Hey y'all, I'm so excited to share this guest with you today. She is such a smarty pants and she is actually from Dallas, but she doesn't live here. So I get to see her from time to time, which is such a joy. But Christina, how are you doing today? Hey Jordan, it's good to be here. I'm good. How are you? I am doing it pretty well. So let's go ahead and start off by just having you shoot us a couple of details about you and your business. Yeah, for sure. So I run an online store called The Contract Shop. I'm an attorney. And um, long story short, I created a lot of contract templates for my clients. And one of them one day in 2015, she was like, why don't you sell these to other people who would need them? And I said, that's a great idea. <laughs> um, but of course I didn't do anything for you know a couple of months because LegalZoom existed and there were all these other things out there. And I said, oh, well, everything else already exists. So there's no space for me. I'm so glad I didn't keep going down that path because, you know, a couple six figure years later, it's really, really nice to have that business. So it's, it's a really fun shop and we try to create really, really fun content for people regardless of whether they need a product from us or not. So that's, that's what I do. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. It's good stuff. You can go totally check it out. The link will be in the show notes and there's a freebie in the show notes too. So just like head on over there and get all the goodness that Christina has for you because she makes your life a heck of a a lot easier And especially when it comes to legal stuff in business, people usually like piss their pants because it just sounds really (laughs) scary. But what's funny is when I first started my business, like legit did not have a website, didn't even have an Instagram. All I had was an email address. I got my LLC and I had a bank account. And once I signed my first few clients, then I got a contract. And like, so legal was always very top of mind for me because I'm just like, listen, I'm not trying to like mess with this whole government situation. So, (laughs) so guys, it's super, super important. And I turned out pretty okay in business. So obviously you guys just all want to be like me anyway. (laughs) um, I do. (laughs) So so let's dive in to the juicy, juicy stuff. So this is going to be a really fun topic. It's really going to be centered around a system of how to protect yourself from copycats consistently, because I know I personally haven't had this issue, but I've had clients have this issue and friends and peers and mastermind sisters who have had their stuff stolen, had people like legit swipe their logos. It's crazy pants. So this is such an important topic and I'm really excited. So go ahead and describe probably not your business, but your clients' businesses before they had a system in place to really protect them from people copying from them. Yeah, absolutely. And this is usually where people start. And it's a really dangerous place, in my opinion, because, you know, the feeling when someone copies you, whether it's blatant or just incredibly inspired by your work, it's like gut sinking, (laughs) stomach punch feeling. And then it's immediately followed by the most outrageous fit of like anger and frustration you've ever had in your life. That's pretty much like the two stages of copying (laughs) what you go through. And so uh, my job is to get somebody from that stage where they're in this like very low energy, angry, frustrated, why did this happen to me place and take them to a place where they feel empowered and they feel confident in whatever they've decided to move forward and, um, you know, in whatever way they've decided to move forward and address the copycat through or, or by. And the reason for that is because if you are immediately like the worst thing that most people could do, I mean, maybe there's a situation where this would work. So I don't want to say all people, but I've never seen a situation where it's helpful to lash out from that low energy place where you're just like angry and accusing someone of something. In fact, sometimes like 
I've even seen situations where we have accidentally copied someone and then we look and see their work and we're like, oh my gosh, they copied me. This is crazy. Like blah, blah, blah. You get all angry. And then like you look and their work is actually predating yours. That actually happens a lot more than people would think. And it's because our brains are so good at seeing something and kind of like storing it away in a back file and then pulling it out when we need it. And we didn't even realize that it was somebody else's idea or design or something like that. And so first step in dealing with copycats is to take a walk, like get out of that negative space, come back when you're in a more rational frame of mind mind, um, whether that's 20 minutes from now or two days from now, but you might not be all the way there, but the important thing is not to make any actions or take any actions from this place of like just pure anger or frustration or fear or whatever the emotion is that's like totally taken over your brain and is controlling your life right now. So obviously I'm not going to give out legal advice that would be specific to your situation. This is just general information, but you know, we'll get more into the nitty gritty here. So taking that walk is really, really helpful. It's a practical step that nobody wants to take. And it's not something that you might hear from an attorney usually, but getting out of that emotional headspace is crucial for the next step. And the next step is deciding whether they actually have copied you. So looking at things from a more rational, hopefully point of view, which is why the walk is important and saying, did I come first or did their work come first? Which one of us was first and saying, you know, okay, how much of the, the, the next step after that would be to ask like how much of this is actually taken. So if you've just, you've gone for your walk, you've decided that they have copied you, that you came first, then looking at like, what did they actually take and was it appropriated from you? Or is this like kind of a generic general thing? So one of the things I see all the time is people that are super upset. They go on Facebook, they get out their pitchforks and they're like, blah, 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 copied me. You should never buy products from them again. And you know, maybe they have copied that person, but what they've copied is something so generic in general that an attorney would never look at that and say it's a copy because here's the secret about copycats and, and copyrights in general is that you cannot protect an idea. And that's something that's really frustrating for a lot of creatives and entrepreneurs. There is literally nothing out there that will protect a pure idea, at least not that I am aware of in any country. I know for sure in the U.S., So you can get a trademark that protects your logo or your name. You can get a copyright that protects something that you have created, such as a sculpture or a painting or a blog post or a picture. You can get a patent and that's a little next level, but there is nothing that like if there is not something written down or painted or fixed in your SD card or uh, recorded somewhere or, you know, just, out there for the internet to consume, like if it's just an idea in your head or, um, you know, something that you haven't really brought to fruition. And that doesn't mean like a finished product. It just means like written down or recorded somewhere. Then there isn't, there's really nothing that you can do. So like the idea of having a floral stationary invitation that can be copied all day long. Now, if somebody, if you create like watercolor elements and somebody literally lifts those up in Photoshop and paste them into the exact same configuration as your design, that's copying. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's really, really difficult for a layperson and even for attorneys to determine whether there has been any kind of copyright infringement that would amount to like, a, basically what you're looking at is some kind of litigation or a lawsuit mm-hmm. or some kind of, damages where you have the ability to ask that person to take it off. The exception to this is obviously a screenshot. Right. (laughs) There's, 
really no getting around that something is an exact copy. And then it's just determining, you know, basically how much, how much money has this person lost as a result mm-hmm. of you using, of, of them using your screenshot of your photo or something, of your artwork, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. those are like the first kind of preliminary steps to do on your own is take the walk, determine if they have copied you, whether you were first or they were first. And then step three is to say, how much of my work have they taken? Have they just taken the idea for a stationary invitation suite? Or is it like the exact same pattern? And I mean, usually with copyright infringement, it has to be like exact. It's Mm. the, the standard for copyright infringement in the US is access and substantial similarity. So if you can prove those two things, then you might be eligible for damages and to ask that person to take it down and blah, 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 all the legal stuff. But access means, you know, they're on your email list. You have proof that they've visited your Facebook page or they've liked it. They've commented on the videos or they've left a review in your Etsy shop. Like that's, those are things that can prove access that they've, they've seen your product or they've been on your email list or read your blog, something like that. And then the substantial similarity part is what really trips people up because what happens is usually somebody will say, this person's copying me. And I look at it and it's like, yeah, clearly they, they ripped off your idea, but they have like totally different words on their invitation suite or their blog post, or they're using like different photos or they're, you know, using different colors. So those things all like the more that somebody changes, um, really, really frustrating for people. Um, so, you know, then, then we move into like, how do we actually deal with this? If that's your situation, if you're finding yourself in step three. Mm, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think it can be really interesting. I actually had like a random one legal situation where a gal, I had used a term in my, in a free Facebook group, like just naming my Facebook group. And I did the search trademark search. I did Facebook group search. I did a Google search. I did all sorts of searches looking and I was like, oh, okay, no one's using it. And then this woman had reached out to me and said that basically in her bedroom, she had been cooking up this idea of using this name, which obviously I would have no idea what you're doing in your bedroom <laughs> in Randomsville, Idaho or wherever you live. Right. And she's like, so you can't use it because I'm using it first. And, I'm, and at first I kind of like kindly said like, okay, but I'm still going to do it um, <laughs> because you don't know what you're doing. And then she came back with like just super hostile, crazy town nonsense and just was like well now that you've seen my thing like you have to take it down and blah 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 blah. and I was like (laughs) stop drinking the crazy juice lady so but at that point I'm the kind of person I'm just like I'm not here to fight like I don't like if you are are concerned with like being my competition when you do WordPress designs and I do operations like you like this is two completely different areas I don't touch WordPress so it was really fascinating because she thought that people would confuse us or something. And I'm like, again, you're not even using this language anywhere except for in your random layer. Like it's so (laughs) fascinating, but it also is just like, I'm not trying to mess with the legal craziness, but how can people understand? I love that you talked about like people can't take ideas, like how to handle situations where literally people have not put anything in trademark, like in, anywhere but they come at you because they've been typing on a google doc somewhere like how do you handle that situation i guess gracefully and like what would your recommendation be 
Yeah, this is a really interesting thing because this is also something that I see a lot. Somebody will come to me and they'll be all freaked out because they got like a, not a cease and desist letter. Usually right. they get a message first on yeah. Etsy or something that says, we're going to report this listing or we're going to close your shop or, you know, like, hey, you're using a blog post of ours or something like that. Yeah. And the thing to look into is again, like number that, that's step three, like, are, are they actually, like, is this actually a copy that's happening? And, you know, the standard for trademark infringement and the standard for copyright infringement are very different. Mm. So for copyright infringement, you just have to show that access and the substantial similarity in trademark infringement. It has, there's a, there's factors that are taken into consideration, but one of the most powerful factors that we're looking at is what is the likelihood of confusion? And there's so, so there's a lot of factors that go into like, is something confusingly similar or not? And that's like a whole legal analysis. I won't get into that, but basically the standard for trademarks, um, it's based, trademarks are based on use, not necessarily registration. Mm. And so what has to happen is there has to be basically like a very public and, um, you, you have to make sales. So if you're using right. something as a trademark, like a, like a phrase or a logo, then it, it has to be out there for the public to see and to consume some kind of product or service in relation to that trademark. So for example, if I were to use a trade, like a trademark in the title of my blog post and I was using it as like a descriptive term, it might not be considered trademark infringement because I'm describing something and I'm using that term. Now, if I were using it and it, it is a valid trademark. It's registered or, you know, they've, they've been using it longer than I have in that area because again, it's based on use. That's called common law use. Mm. Um, so we don't have registration, but we might have common law use. But again, it, like it has to be out there and somebody's selling something. So just because someone accuses you of infringing their trademark or their copyright, um, they, they might not be correct. They might have an attorney giving them bad advice or more likely they don't have anybody giving them advice. They just are angry and pissed off and (laughs) writing a letter to you. And so, you know, without knowing the details of your situation fully described, it's, it's one of those situations where you just have to make the call as the business owner and you have to look at the, the situation and say, is this person likely to take further action because that would cost money and I don't know if I want to incur that or, you know, is this just like some hot pants person that's really upset and doesn't understand how trademark law works, you know, without getting into the details of your situation and like without asking you questions and knowing more, it kind of sounds mm-hmm. like the latter, but but yeah, I mean, people can be wrong when they accuse you of copying them. They might not know these standards for infringement and you know, that's right. fine. Like we're out here, we're business owners. Like I'm an attorney, totally. but you guys aren't, most of you aren't listening. Yep. Probably. <laughs> so that's, that's why we have different people that are specialists. Like I'm not good at systems, but you're amazing at them, Jordan. So like where I would rely on you for systems, you know, you might rely on an attorney for the legal stuff, even if it's not necessarily advice, it's just a consultation to help you through a situation like that. So, yeah. um, So yeah, I mean, I, I think again, that's where the walk is helpful. You, you have your walk and you, you really assess it from like a rational point of view. And if you're not able to do that, or you're just too scared, then that's where a free consultation with an attorney is really helpful to see, you know, is there any merit to this or, you know, do they need to look into it further and start charging you an hourly rate, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think, I think that's super, super helpful for people who have been on the receiving end of that stuff, but it's also helpful for when you are the one who thinks you are being copied, like looking at this and saying, okay, like 
the, you know, the access and the potential financial losses and all that sort of stuff. I think that's super key for people to just keep in mind for sure. So I think that's helpful. Anything else, any other steps to ensuring that you can kind of weed off the, the copycats? One of the worst things that I've seen people do is unilaterally file some kind of cease and desist letter or takedown notice. This is where I see a lot of people get into trouble. Mm. This is where the the guns come out and we take it for granted because, you know, like you look at Etsy and they, they literally have a form, Facebook, Instagram, any of them, like they all literally have a form that you can fill out and they will, a lot of these platforms will, will just unilaterally, which means without telling the other person on the other side, they'll take down the listing or the account or something because you've, you've said that this is an infringing account or a listing, something like that. And so I think wow. a lot of people aren't aware of the, the consequences on the other side of that, which is that if, like we talked about, they are not infringing and they can prove mm-hmm. that, which happens all the time it's a really dangerous situation to be in because they have potentially lost sales. They could come after you for damages, especially if it's during like a Christmas holiday season period. And their biggest sale time is like that 14 days that, that you've taken their listing down before Christmas. So, you know, it's, it's definitely something that like we throw around the term. A lot of people are very, laissez-faire with with the term like cease and desist or like sending messages or right and so i i try to warn people that like that's always a possibility that somebody just because you are in the right and you could totally be in the right like somebody has copied you it's clear they just like did something there's always the potential if you're sending some kind of like hey could you take this down or you know, you're just filing one of these reports on Etsy or Facebook or something, there's always the potential for them to strike back. And so that's something that I think a lot of people just aren't aware of based on the number of these things that I see come through my office. And I I think there needs to be more education about that. So I'm glad we're able to talk about that here. And so my point is like, not like, don't ever my point is not like, don't ever file these things or send a cease and desist, like protect your work, like be the business owner, but also, you know, do it knowing what the the pros and cons of, of you reaching out are. And so, you know, as the attorney doing this on behalf of clients, it's really easy for them because if we, if we do get a response, they're prepared, right? Like they know that we have their back, that we're going to write a, a response letter or answer whatever kind of filing has been started by the other side. But, you know, if you're just doing this on your own, it's something that you have to, if it's not in your budget yet for an attorney to handle those things for you, then that's a great goal to have. But then also, you know, understanding that it's, there's just some copycats that aren't worth pursuing. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the strategy that I've seen companies, I haven't worked with them yet, but companies like Rifle, who is just copied left and right. I mean, everything has started to look more and more like Anna Rifle Bonds um, paper goods. And yeah, you know, I, I am not aware and that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened, but I'm just not aware of them really pursuing the infringers. What I see them doing instead and what I like as a strategy, actually, my clients are always surprised because it's less money in our pockets as lawyers, but I actually mm-hmm. like the strategy of continuing to innovate and just like when someone, I, I get copied all the time as an attorney, believe it or not. And what I'll do is I'll just block their profile on Instagram so they can't see any of my stuff on there. If yeah. I know their IP address, if I've, I've had it connected through email or, you know, like right. I can see it come through on my site, I'll block their IP address on my site. 
And I just keep moving. Like I keep going in my lane and it's one of the hardest. Yeah. It's so hard. Like you want to look and you want to see how badly you're being copied. But I've just asked the people in my life, like, don't tell me about X, Y, Z for the people that are really egregious and keep doing it. And I just keep going and, and, you know, innovating and being the first in line for the next project. And they just look like copycats. So you right. know, I actually like that strategy better than reaching out, having this confrontation. You know, the it's only so situation good. where I've been really successful, especially with clients, is when we, we do have screenshots and it's, it's somebody that has clearly just like taken a screenshot of their work. Those are the situations that I would say, like maybe innovating isn't the best strategy. Yeah. But I think it, it it's good that you brought up it brought that up as a strategy because I totally agree. Like I I'm not one of those people that doesn't believe in competition, but I guess I just like I'm over here doing my thing and like if you want to copy me, cool, but I'm like already on to the next. So just whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah. So like I I totally I love that you you use it as a strategy and I never have thought of it as such. I just was kind of like, Oh, la di da. And people are like, Oh, like someone else is coming out with I'm like, I don't, honestly, I don't, I love getting to know other operations people. And I think that <laughs> because I don't know, like, I just, I'm like, these are my people. We love right. systems. Let's just talk about it. And kumbaya. But some people are, can be really funny and just be like, well, she is really like me and I don't really you know, want to whatever. And I get it. Like, but I just feel like that's like your ego talking. It's like, chill out. There's, there's <laughs> so much help this world needs in all of the areas. It's like, I don't even want to try and help everybody. That sounds exhausting. So absolutely. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm in that boat totally with you. Yeah. And I mean, people are going to, I think this is where you get to be really innovative and have a good personality. And this is you know, bring out your pitchforks, but this is where I like the Instagram algorithm because it's forcing people to be more innovative and Amen. more of themselves. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's because you can't just, you can't have the generic, like what's on your mind today. I had a latte and I got to work at, like, everybody's having those captions and those photos and like this right. is yourself and stand out. And that's why people are working with you, Jordan, over other systems, you know, courses or, or, um, strategists or whatever. And so you're right. It is absolutely exhausting to serve everybody. And so they will come to you for your unique flair. I mean, we uh-huh. just put out a product that, that has to do with the GDPR and like, Oh yeah. Literally an hour before we went live on our webinar last night, someone had sent me a link to like this other attorney that was, that had a Facebook group of like 10,000 people in it for just the GDPR stuff. And I was telling myself like, Oh, I should just not even do this webinar. Like, what's the point? Like, nobody's going to buy. There's already resources out there. But then I remembered, like, I'd actually seen this woman's stuff. And I remembered, like, okay, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because there are a lot of resources out there and they're overwhelming and they're confusing. And I want to give people a simple pared down version of what they need. Right. And that's, I remember looking at this girl's site probably a month or two ago when she first started offering this. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And she's doing what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it, it is, it's really, really hard, but then, you know, I also, it helps to have a lot of friends who are calligraphers and photographers and man, you guys like in those industries. Yeah. yeah everybody's doing it now, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just to watch them and like the grace that they navigate those, those new competition or competitors moving in there every day is just such an inspiration. And it reminds me to stay in my own lane. Yeah. Totally love that. Going to get into the final few questions. What was your best financial investment in business? Hmm. 
I think anytime I invest in something that has an in-person component, which is like so ironic that we're talking about this, Jordan, because yeah. <laughs> Jordan actually came on Creative Empire, which is my podcast with Raina, and yeah. she talked about this. But yeah, I mean, like one in particular, I went to Bonnie Bakhtiari's Illum Retreat back oh, in nice. 2016. Yeah. And um, anyway, that, that was a, a huge investment for me at the time, but it was so worth it. And to this day, probably like half of the people that attended are now my legal clients in my law firm or people that are like my best affiliates for the contract shop. Awesome. I'm just so close and connected to those gals. And it, it's, it kicked off my friendship with Jenna Kutcher, which was really awesome because now, you know, I'm part of her mastermind this year. And that's just been another really great investment with lots of in-person meetings and things like that. So yeah, I think anytime you do something in person, it, it just leads to connections that you, you'll never get rid of. And, and that's a good thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, I totally, totally agree. I'm on you with that one. And then what was <laughs> your worst financial investment in business? It was actually the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the thing is like, you're not always going to win. Like you can't go yeah. to every in-person event and have it be like, an amazing slam dunk. So, you know, yeah. if you've been to a couple and you haven't felt like you've connected with people, you need to either look at like your, your strategy or lack thereof. And I mean, it's not like I'm strategizing like, Hey, I'm going to meet this person and then I'm going to meet this. But right. you know, like if you're going to your hotel room every night and ignoring all the extra like social activities, that's probably not a good use of your money to go there. But yeah, like I just got back from one that was a horrible investment, but you know, we made the most of it. And then actually I was in another mastermind that I didn't really feel like it was good, but it wasn't worth the value that I paid. And so I would say that was a pretty bad financial investment. So, you know, I think, I think it can go both ways. And you, that's why you just have to like, if you're timid like me and, and you feel guilty often, or you feel like you're taking someone's time up or that you're not worthy of their time, like those are the thoughts that you have to put aside when you're putting money on the table and have mm. conversations with those people, get them on the phone with you. And if, you know, if you're making a big investment, a couple thousand dollars and they're not willing to get on the phone with you, they're not your people. Like get off the yeah. phone, find another conference or retreat or whatever, because yeah. that was my mistake is that I just, yeah. So that's, that's such an inch. I don't think I've had anybody say that off the top of my head, like their best and worst financial investments were like the, in the same realm, which is super interesting. <laughs> I totally can agree with you on that. Like in persons can be the best thing ever and they also can be super terrible. So, well, they're expensive, you know, so they it's, are. yeah, they definitely are. So it's, it's something to check out, but okay. Where can people find you online? Tell all the websites, all the social media, all the places. <laughs> well, if you're interested in learning more about copycats and what to do, I actually have a free resource. It's called the copycat checklist. So you, that's just at copycatchecklist.com. So you can grab that. That will actually give you a checklist of what to do. And so I recommend it getting that now while it's fresh on your mind and you don't forget where it is. And also when you're in that good headspace so that you do have like a rational checklist to go through <laughs> yeah. um, instead of like when, when you have that gut punch feeling and you're just really angry and you want to rip my checklist up and throw it out the window. So go get the copycat checklist at copycatchecklist.com. And then my main website is the Perfect. Easy enough. Definitely go and check out Christina. Legal stuff is no joke. Please do not just be playing around over there and just let it's, it's just scary guys. It's like legal and taxes. <laughs> I don't mess around with. So I promise it's not scary. If you go to our blog, we break it down every week. Yes. We have two articles at least coming out. And so that's, 
that is my whole philosophy is that, you know, this is just another component of your business. And if you have that story in your head that it is scary, right? Like I'm sure a lot of people say systems are scary, Um, but you know, it just takes some practice, some trial and error. And, you know, especially if you're DIYing it, it'll take a little longer, but that's okay. Like you'll get there eventually. And so if you never practice then you never get there, so come on over. The water's fine. We're not going to bite you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Oh my gosh. You just, you had a great blog post too the other day and I was just like, yes, preach. I think it was About like the, the five, the five. Um, you guys are driving away your clients. Yes. Yeah. Oh people love that one. <laughs> oh, it was so good. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even handle my life. <laughs> so her blog is super amazing to you guys. But anyway, thank you so much, Christina, for coming on and sharing this goodness and it really is just about protecting yourself so you can flourish and be amazing. And that's what it's all about. So thanks so much, Christina. Thank you, Jordan.